everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Sherry, your host for today. And our guest today is an exciting one. We are talking about dog mushing and sled dog sledding today with Jack Christopher of Silent Run Adventures. Jack, how are you doing? Real good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining me on the Minnesota Bound Podcast today. Um, Jack runs, I'm just going to give you a little bio read here. He runs Silent Run Adventures. He owns that. He's the founder of it. And they have a mushing experience, which um, you offer that to clients and of all ages to experience what it's like to drive your own dog sled. And we had an opportunity to hang out with you for the day for Minnesota Bound, and it was such a wonderful experience. I wanted you to share what it's like here on the Minnesota Bound podcast. Sure. Well, uh, first off, we don't let people drive the dog sled. I let you drive it a bunch of years ago, but yes. um, we uh, we run purebred Siberian Huskies, and they take being a dog to a whole new level. So, um, so yeah, we don't actually let people drive the sled. We do give rides. Um, it's a nice little experience here. We make ample time for people to visit the dogs. I usually say we learned a long time ago it's more about the Siberian Huskies than the ride. The ride's fun. Don't get me wrong. That's what people uh, people book us for. But what keeps them coming back is their time with the sides. Um, we, they get to pet them, take pictures with them, interact with them, learn about them. And that's something that they don't generally get uh, when they see us at other places so for sure so and that's how did really you decide, the big difference. how did you decide to get into dog sledding in the first place what was your passion behind it oh that was kind of an accident uh i rehomed a samoyed back when i was still in college uh, you know a big white husky type dog and then after i graduated from scsu i took a job in colorado where we were able, I was able to teach him the lead dog commands with some experienced dogs, um, just skiing with them along the railroad tracks in Fort Collins. Um, then I came back to Minnesota, got my first couple of Siberian Huskies, and continued skiing with them. Moved out this way by Monticello, and once I built a kennel, people started leaving notes on my door and messages on my phone. Do we please take my pretty dog? He's chewing up my house. Uh, which is what Siberians do. And so I built my first team in the 90s with a bunch of rescues. Um, you know, and from there, it just kind of grew. I got more and more dogs. I trained them to take me and my friends up ice fishing in the Bounty Waters. And, you know, then, the, then the, you know, eventually in 2009, the time was right to leave my corporate job and start this company. So. I spent most of that uh, first year taking care of my dad as he's helped his family. But uh, then in 2010, we started uh, Silent Run Adventures. Which is so cool. And I love your story about how you landed um, with Siberian Huskies. And how many Siberian Huskies do you have today? Because when I was there, you had a lot. Uh, tw- <laughs> we had a lot then. And unfortunately, I probably got, uh, well, I still got a few of the ones you saw. Um, probably seven, but we've got 28, uh, 11 of them are just, uh, one and two. There'll be two and three and, uh, some of them in a week and the rest in a month. So they're pretty young. Uh, so we still got a few of the older dogs, the 12 year olds. 
but you know they're uh, unfortunately getting fewer and fewer each year. So, but we have rebuilt the kennel with uh, younger animals. Kind of what you kind of need to do. You know, it's the old sales thing. You got to keep the pipeline full. So sure. we got to keep dogs coming up. So. For sure. And, you know, when I was at your your old location, we'll talk about your new location here in a minute, but um, your old location, what I thought was fascinating and such a great idea is you had one massive, I don't know if it was an acre or over an acre, where all the dogs lived together in a pack. So they aren't, you know, when they're done with their workout and, of course, they're all um, relaxed after they've had all that exercise, but they live as a pack together, which I thought was really unique. And do they still do that today? And what was the reason behind that? Well, the reason behind that at the time is that's kind of the way I got introduced to Huskies. Uh, the guy I got my first couple Siberians from had a big open kennel like that. Uh, I didn't really like the way most mushers uh, handle their dogs and the fact that they've got a separate little dog house and a chain to a post for each dog. And they most mushers do that because they get dogs from everywhere. They're unrelated and they're not uh, they're not assimilated together. So they need to do that. Whereas we've got primarily siblings, so they do squabble like sisters now and then, but for the most part, they get along pretty well. Now that old kennel was uh, suffering from age, and it was getting a lot to maintain. Our newer kennels here. We still got the same uh, three generations of Siberians, uh, so we do separate them out. We kind of got our, we've got five separate kennel runs that all have different dog door entrances into our uh, garage where they've got smaller kennels where they can go in where they want, and so it, we've got mostly older dogs in one kennel, young dogs in another, uh, kind of. A mixture of one litter in one kennel, a mixture of another litter in another. Of course, my my male, uh, my daddy dog with a couple of my old females in a different kennel, but they're all together. Um, they can run side by side. Each kennel's parallel to each other, so they're they're more of a big group, but they're separated. It helps uh, minimize some of the chaos and some of the other difficulties of a big open kennel. Sure, so it, uh, it does. Every now and then we got to reshuffle the deck, move one dog to one kennel, move another dog into another one because uh, suddenly uh, things aren't being as copacetic as we like. So uh, that's part of the challenge. Of course. You know, when, when you arrive at Silent Run Adventures, um, you know, the dogs are really ready to go. They're excited. You can see how much they love the job of of taking people for rides on, on the dog sled. And what I found you know, fascinating, which is, um, the intensity of course, when you're, you're getting them ready to go, but also there is definitely still something very primal about the Husky that they, you know, there is that wolf like something about them that they have definitely a pecking order and they're going to let each other know it when they're getting all lined up to go. And, and, um, you can just see the instinct just, you know, come raging out of them, which is, which is so cool to see when you first get there and how much they love to pull. And, um, you know, can you describe what that's like? Is that part of the appeal for people? Is that, you know, they, I guess, just, you know, to kind of describe to our listeners what that's like when you're getting everybody harnessed up and, and just the instinct that just comes right out of them. Sure. Well, to start, you know, 
genetically, the Siberian Husky is closest related to the wolf of any other dog. So that I, see, <laughs> I see penned wolves in uh, some of our clients, like such as Wildlife Science Center that's uh, out by Stacy where we mush. Their posts about their behavior, their wolf pack, I see the same things in my kennel every day. So they're very, um, very hierarchy-oriented. They're very much a pack animal. That's why it's hard to bring in a, a strange dog, especially if it's over, say, your own, and get them to get along with you. Um, they're not part of the pack. They are recognized as part of the pack. So that's part of the challenge. We do got a few rescue dogs around here. We don't take in many. We're extremely selective on it. We get way a lot of calls on that, so don't call me and ask me to take your dog. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, we do got some rescues, but they're in separate kennels because I can't just put them in with the other dogs. So, but as far as the excitement, they've been bred for two or three thousand years to do this, to pull a dog sled. I usually follow it up with a statement of not so much to live in your house. They are a very much like most working dogs, most working breeds. They don't always make the best house dogs. They do dig, they do chew. Um, they're going to dig in your front yard. They're going to dig in your leather couch. They are going to do that. That's uh, part of their nature. And, you know, you're going to run into one out of maybe 50 or something that's going to be the model, model of the breed, the perfect dog. But you're going to go through a lot of them trying to find that one. So, you know, I, part of the appeal for us is that people can come out, experience the Siberian Husky, go home to their house and still have nice stuff. Yeah. <laughs> still have a nice manicured yard. Don't, it's not all dug up and look like the moonscape. So, you know, our kennels, when we built our new kennels here at the new place, they were grass for about 10 days. That was dirt. So they're very hard on the grass. They're moving around all the time and they're going to dig. So that's what they do. Uh, as far as being excited to pull, that's purely instinct. That's what they're genetically programmed to do. So along that lines, you can't just let them out the front door and expect them to stay in the yard. They're going to run, whether they're attached to a dog sled or not. So, you know, you need a, you need a kenneled yard. You need some type of a containment idea um, to own these dogs. So um, we've got several big kennels that I mentioned that are all, much, all linked together. But, you know, they do love what they do uh, to see my teams coming down in pictures um, all with huge almost painted on grams is just uh, very enjoyable it is really cool and one thing uh, if you've not been on a dog sledding experience I highly recommend it but the the name of your company silent run adventures and what's so unique about the experience itself is you see the high level of excitement when, before the dogs get going, but once they are going, it is silent. And yeah, yeah they that, don't make a, they don't make a sound once they're running. They don't. And uh, it's so fascinating to see the difference in, um, you know, the before and then the during. <laughs> yeah. I, I found it very interesting though person that helps us occasionally brought her Alaskan Huskies, which are all crossbred dogs for racing. They're not purebreds. They're, very, they're generally more hound than husky. And the first thing I noticed is her dogs barked the whole time they were running. 
Really? Mine are just such night and day difference. They don't make a sound once they're going. Um, so you hear the runners moving, you hear them pant a little, but as far as audio or audible sound, they really make nothing. Um, so it was, uh, that was interesting to me. That is interesting. I wonder what breed was mixed in there to get the barking going. Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. Grass-fed beef right here in Minnesota, you know. We make a career talking about clean water, native habitat, and some of the best environmental practices. That's exactly why I'm so excited about Thousand Hills. You know, it is locally raised beef done differently. You see, Thousand Hills uses what is called regenerative agriculture to raise their cattle. Those beef cows, they graze in fields of wild grasses, and they move between a lot of different fields of grass. It is a sustainable ecosystem free of synthetic fertilizers and chemical herbicides. It's a system of agriculture that promotes clean water, natural grasses, and the best beef you've tasted. It's beef raised the right way. You can check out Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Grass-Fed Beef to understand their regenerative agricultural practices and fall in love with Thousand Hills Beef. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond Two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the roller dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic roller dock or the new ultra dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. What is, you know, what do you find is the difference you see, you know, Siberian Huskies, of course, beautiful. Um, and so is the Alaskan Malamute. What is the difference? I've always been curious about, you know, kind of between those two breeds. Is one more for like a well, slower ride? Yeah, they're both, uh, they're both largely what settled Alaska. The, Al- the Malamutes, Siberian Huskies, uh, Inuit dogs, uh, largely what uh, were the workhorses of Alaska. Uh, Malmutes tend to be larger. Uh, there's there's kind of a basic Malmute, and there's a greater Malmute that's really big, say 120 plus pounds. Uh, they have somewhat of a longer coat, rounder ears. The Siberians got more of a pointed ear and a shorter coat. Certainly not short, but a shorter coat. Um, so the males tend to be big. They're strong. My sides aren't strong. We've got some rather large ones. Um, But that's the main difference. Size. We've actually got uh, three Moleskis here. Uh, We had litters of puppies that passed, well, in 2019 and 20. And then, of course, lost a couple of dogs over the next year, some of our older ones. So rather than having a litter of our own to replace those dogs, one of our mushers that owns a melody bred with my stud dog, my uh, Goliath. So those are what we call Moleskis or Malamute Siberian crosses. Wow. And they're going to be big. Uh, they've got a little longer hair. Um, they're very nice dogs. They show attributes of Siberians in a strong way, but also a little bit of mouth. 
So they got a strong dose of their daddy in them, but <laughs> they do show some of their characteristics of their mama. So cool. And if someone owns, you know, a husky, a, a Siberian husky or a Malamute, whatever, and they're in their house and they have an, a desire to, you know, hook their dog up to the to a sled to give it a try. Do you have any advice for those that want to give dog sledding a try? Do you start off with ski joring first? How does it how does it work? That's what I did, and I've always preferred the term Nordic mushing because it's a lot more descriptive of what we're after actually doing. Skijoring might be you know, skiing behind a horse, whereas Nordic sure. mushing really applies to dogs. And so that's what I've always preferred. But, yeah, uh, I always recommend get a rock climbing harness because I don't like the skijoring belts. They're up on your hips. A rock climbing harness, as you probably know, is much lower. So it's much easier to not get pulled over on your nose. Uh, you can kind of lean back against it and get a long line, hook your dog up into a harness and take it out on a, you know, on a trail or a lake and let it go. Um, for the most part, they're going to be programmed to do that. Uh, I've seen people scheduling with various breeds. Pointers are... The people that race doing that run a lot of pointing breeds fast. Yeah, they light. are. So, um, but as far as your husky, that's a good way to start. Uh, you can somewhat leash train them as far as commands. We use equestrian type commands, haws, left, use right. So it's easy on a leash to teach the dog those turns. Or, you know, find somebody to let you hook up with theirs. And um, and then you, you might be able to uh, teach them that way. That's uh, not always an easy option to find, but there are various clubs uh, you can find online that, that do that type of thing that would help you out. So but, uh, we get asked that often. We discourage it. Uh, we, I've already talked about trying to mix dogs in with the pack. It doesn't work so well, but uh, we run in some of the other dogs uh, that, that can fairly easy transition. Sure. And how do you train your dogs for the commands, the ha and the G? I yeah, mean, do just, you in line and they follow along or how does it work? Yeah. You put a young dog next to an old dog and they learn it fast. That's how I taught my first Samoyed uh, how to do that. Uh, he ran next to an experienced dog that knew the trail t- terms and, um, you, you give them those commands, they learn really quickly what, what they mean. My young dogs, I run a lot of one- and two-year-olds that lead next to usually one of my five-year-olds or older uh, dogs, and they do really well. They're not necessarily following the turns, but they're keeping their lines tight in their routine. Uh, and most importantly, most of the time, they're not chasing those red squirrels. Yes. <laughs> That's the true test of a leader. Stay on the trail, don't chase the squirrels, so. I do remember that advice you gave me when we went out for <laughs> Minnesota bound. And, you know, yeah, when I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying, just make sure, you know, don't chase the squirrels. I'm like, what do you mean they're going to chase the squirrels? They're going to take a sharp right on me and I'm not going to be ready for it. You're like, they might. <laughs> they might. <laughs> um, they're so, trying to ignore that stuff. And most of the time they just run forward faster, but, you know, the squirrels pop out of nowhere right in front of their nose. And when that happens, you can't beat instinct. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't beat instinct. So they, they do, the breed does have a high trade drive, a prey drive. So 
Well, they're not necessarily hunters, but uh, if the opportunity to chase something comes up, sometimes it's a it. leaf blowing across the pond, but they're gonna yeah, they're right. gonna try. And sometimes it's being proactive with a quick on by or trail, meaning stay on the trail. On by meaning also leave whatever you're looking at alone and run by it. Um, but sometimes when I've gone around the loop after an encounter like that, I think I'm just reminding them. Of Sure. And now a word from Minnesota Propane Association. The Shearer family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Hey, I'm really picky when it comes to my drinking water, and I have the reverse osmosis drinking water system from Connecticut, and I love it. It takes out contaminants in the water, it removes chlorine, and most important, it tastes great, which is the one thing I'm probably most picky on is how does my water taste. So having Kinetico also means that I use less plastic water bottles, which we all know is a definite bonus for our environment. For more information, visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you. Well, I have to tell you, um, the day spent with you and your dogs was one of my most fond memories of, um, <laughs> of you know, just of a TV shoot that I've been on, but just in general of an experience that's available and you offer, um, you know, the dog setting experience to um, really anybody that wants to come out and take a ride. I know you've worked with, you've gone to schools to show some of the students on what it's like to, um, you know, experience a dog sledding ride. Tell us about your your business that you have. Because when I saw you, you were in Monticello, but you moved to a big new ranch now. Yeah, we're we're actually not too far from where we were. Uh, only about as the crow flies about a mile from one place so not too far um, just across 39 now so but yeah we bought uh, two years ago a place that's been known a long time as uh, the Silver Creek Ranch uh, it's not terribly huge it's enough for us to give a nice trail um, to house the dogs and um, be peaceful with the neighbors um, so uh, it's working out real well for us it's uh, it, it's, it's we got a nice setup here. I spent a lot of nights uh, laying awake thinking about how I was going to arrange my kennels. So um, we kind of got it the way we want it, and it's uh, it's it's working well. So mostly what we do as far as the mushroom experience is, like I said, we spend we give people a lot of time to uh, relate to the dogs, and they can uh, get their get their uh, husky time in and 
go home to a peaceful house. Um, you see lots of kids, you know, fall asleep on my own mayhem, the, the Lily one. And, uh, you know, they really enjoy that dog time. So then we take them out and take them on roughly about a 10-minute ride. It kind of depends on the time of day. If it's uh, early morning, like the run I just did, and I've got a break, uh, I can just let the dogs go. So it's going to be a little faster. Right now the trails are really hard. If it's going to be like, say, Monday when they're saying 40 degrees, it's going to be slow. Uh, this, we're going to be running dogs through oatmeal, so the trails will be slow. Uh, they, they won't be running so fast. I'll be holding them back to not let them eat up as much. Uh, but on days like today, I can just kind of let them run. So I like to let them do that. But uh, you know, on busy days, they don't uh, generate as much heat when they're trotting as opposed to running. So sure, that's well, kind of what we offer, and we keep pretty busy at it. But it's uh, it's uh, makes for a good day for us. It does, and you also have other critters now on your farm that you know families and whoever can go meet and hang out and um, yep. make it a full experience. Sure. When the scouts are out here, we book a lot of Girl Scouts. Uh, usually, at some time in their session, we'll take a break or at the end and bring them in and show them the alpacas and the goats. So, I guess uh, this is a form of horse ranch, so our barn's got uh, sixteen horse stalls in it uh, that are riding arena attached. Uh, so we don't use the arena too much other than for storage at this time. But, uh, but the uh, Apaka's got two horse stalls. The goats have got one. There's kind of an alcove between the two. That, uh, in the summer, they're outside in that area, and the, and the Apaka's are part of the former horse pasture. We've also got chickens and turkeys, and, you know, and not the white tame turkeys. These are uh, ruby uh, bourbon reds and uh broad-breasted bronze so the bronze oh. ones look more much more like the Miriams you used to see out um, so yeah and then uh, we got the usual barn cats but they're contained into a horse stalls too because we don't want them running around and making lots of kittens and uh, attacking the swallows and all that so they're contained as well uh, we've got three bodies out there and a duck uh we, we inherited three ducks when we bought this place. We still got two of them. And we were told they were like 10 or 12 years old at that time. And we've been here two years. I don't know how long a tame duck lives. But, um, <laughs> rather old. We still got one of them. Two of them disappeared over the summer. But, uh, oh, sure. So they're out swimming on the front pond. Similar to the old place, we've got a, we've got a pond in, in the front part and then another one behind us. So we run dog teams on both of those and then the interconnecting pasture so it uh, makes for a nice run and, and a little broader experience cool so, oh by the way and then we also offer the kennel visits and the, and the barn visits in the off season so it keeps us a little busier when we're not mushing yeah and you also do corporate events and uh, winter festivals so besides even traveling yep. out to see you which i highly recommend um in you know experiencing the the mushing experience it's really cool the dogs are so fun um to see them working but also they're so beautiful because they all pretty much match <laughs> um, but yeah, you all go to corporate corporations and do some other team building sessions yep. and things like that yep yes we do we still do a lot of that uh 
Um, you know, COVID kind of changed our event schedule a bit to knock back some of the business stuff, but we still got most of our public events. I'm still mushing a lot of schools, still, uh, do some fundraiser events like, like the one I mentioned earlier. And yeah, we keep very, pretty busy doing that. We do mush home most Sundays. Uh, when we used to be on the road a lot, uh, we tend to, found that uh, being at mushing at home kind of took a little of the work aspect out of it or the job aspect out of it to put more, a little more fun back into it. So that was kind of important to us. But if you see us out at events, uh, you're welcome to attend them. We don't publicize them. We don't, uh, we don't put online when we're not going to be home, frankly. <laughs> um, so, but the difference that we try to make here is when you see us at an event, you get a very short ride. Um, we give a little longer one here when you book an experience. The dogs are all working at events, and so are we. So you got the two minutes here in the dog sled or less to, to try and talk to us. And you don't get as much of that interaction with the dogs. So we get to explain a little bit about them, educate people on the breed and on other sled dog breeds. Uh, or other sled dog types, uh, mushing in general, and answer a bunch of questions. Of course, they awesome. run six dog teams most of the time, so there's lots of other dogs for them to pet to interact with whether one would return. And by the way, we only book one family or sesh uh, or group per session. There's no whole line of people waiting. Which is awesome. So it's a very private experience. Um, it's yeah. you know you get to you get the full experience of the dogs, the equipment, and of course the joy of the ride at the end. Is uh, where can people find you to book the experience? Are you? I see you have a website here. What's your website? Yeah, our website. If you can just Google Silent Run Adventures, it's a Google page. It pops right up. Uh, Silent Run, and also it's also on our Facebook. You can find us there. Um, Hope you're still there. There we go. I thought my system timed out. Um, yeah, so you can find us those two ways. You can message us both ma- both manners. Uh, most people come in through our Google page, and then we've got a square system that uh, both pages link to to find open open time slots, and you can make reservation requests through there. So um, that's the easiest method, and. Well, it's been a huge time saver for us. Uh, people can get I in bet. There, find find rates, uh, book their appointments, uh, uh, call us or send us a message if they got questions. Um, it, uh, it it's helped reduce uh, us mushing all day and then coming in uh, thirty Google messages trying to answer uh, after uh, working all day. So we still get plenty Perfect. of them, but uh, it's cut that back quite a bit. So sure, it's been a good add. Well, there you go. I highly recommend checking out Silent Run Adventures for a mushing experience. And, of course, if you're thinking about um, purchasing or adopting a Siberian Husky, I would really recommend going out to see um, the dogs and their instincts at work before you um, make that decision. They are definitely a working breed. I saw it firsthand, and uh, but, boy, are they beautiful, and, and it's a wonderful experience to um, take a dog sled ride uh, through the snow in the winter. So thanks, Jack. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the Minnesota Bound podcast, and hopefully uh, we'll get to hit the trail again sometime soon. 
Sounds good. Yeah, I'd love to bring you out to the new place and uh, pleasure being here with you. Good to talk to you again. So thanks for having me. Once again, thank you to Jack Christopher of Silent Run Adventures. I highly recommend the experience. It's so much fun. Thank you to Minnesota Propane, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut, Thousand Hills, Lifetime Grazed, and Star Bank. And last but not least, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.